You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Amen. Blessed be God. Quickly open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to read verse 1, then we'll jump to verse 4 and read it down to verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, then verse 4 to verse 13. Let's remain standing in honor of the second person of the Trinity, the living Word of God. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, then verse 4 to verse 13. Wonderful story, backdrop. God has rejected Saul because he prioritized the, 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 the praise and the opinion of people over the opinion and the will of God. And so God is now sending Samuel on an assignment to anoint the next king of Israel. And so we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. And now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Jump to verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came, they looked at Eliab and said, He looked at Eliab, the eldest, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab, the second son, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, this is Jesse, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. For this is the one. Hmm. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Most High God. Like I said, I'm not going to preach for long because I want to get straight into the business of the ordinations that we have today. But in this short time of sharing from God's word, you will be blessed. According to our text, David had been forgotten on the backside of the wilderness somewhere. All of his older brothers were paraded in front of Samuel, but none of his older brothers 
were chosen. You see, Jesse had forgotten David. Historians and Bible scholars suggest to us that David was the product of an illicit affair between Jesse and somebody. Uh, hence, David writes in the book of Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5 that iniquity was I uh, brought forth and in sin my mother conceived me. So for Jesse, David was a source of shame. So David was sent out into the wilderness, out of sight, not to be seen. But the call of God had his name on it and would not rest anywhere else but on him. Somebody say amen. amen. The call of God said, go fetch him from the wilderness. You see, often in the process of God's call upon your life, there will be a season of being in the wilderness, unseen and unknown. But if you can sing songs and love on the Lord in the wilderness without the audience of people, then you qualify to sing those same songs in public before thousands. Even Samuel the prophet would have chosen somebody different from David. <laughs> This priest prophet, uh, emphatically, when he saw Eliab, this tall, majestic man, he said, surely the Lord's anointed. But God said, no, don't judge by the outward appearance. I look to the heart. Always look to the heart. Don't be quick to look at the outward appearance. Though Samuel's declaration as regards Eliab was wrong, it is still instructive. He said, listen to the phrase, he said, surely the Lord's anointed. He hadn't anointed him yet, yet he was calling him the Lord's anointed. What's the implication of this? The implication of this is that he could only anoint who God had already anointed. Oh God. I don't know whether you hear me what I'm saying. In other words, there had to already be an anointing upon the person before his anointing the person would be a confirmation, an affirmation of what was already there. Heaven's mark needs to be on you before you are publicly anointed or affirmed as the Lord's anointing. The call of God found David in the wilderness. There is a call on your life. And it's going to shift you from the backside to the front side. If it's you I'm talking to and you believe it, come and shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. And the simple subject of my exhortation this Sunday morning is there is a call on your life. Help me tell your neighbor there's a call on your life. There's a call on your life. Lord, help me in these next few moments to do no injustice to your word. Grant me great prophetic inspiration and utterance. Let yokes be destroyed and let burdens be lifted in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. First of all, I want to quickly let you know, listen, guys, listen, ladies, listen, gentlemen, you are not a mistake. I don't know what experiences you've had. I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know what challenges you might be facing, but I want to quickly reassure you and remind you this Sunday morning, you are not a mistake. I don't care how you were born, in wedlock, outside wedlock, above wedlock, under wedlock, without any lock, doesn't matter. If you were born, you are not a mistake. You are born on purpose 
and for purpose. Ooh, Jesus, help me this Sunday morning. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our own image and, let, uh, and in our own likeness and let them have dominion. So right here, we see the divine purpose for the creation of mankind, and it is for dominion. That is the purpose. That's God's intent. Now, you must realize that purpose precedes the creation of a thing. So purpose becomes why we are created. So you were created by purpose. Does anybody hear me this Sunday morning? You see, there has to be a need that triggers the necessity of the creation of something. So the need came first, and God said, okay, there's this need. I need to create something to meet this need. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? And so if you are created, if you are born, it means that there is a need that you are the solution or the supply for. Purpose caused your creation. You are created by purpose. You aren't just created by purpose. You are created on purpose. When we talk about being created on purpose, we are talking about timing. That means God orchestrated it that you would be born at the time that you were born. Some of us uh, read the Bible stories and sometimes wish that we were born in the Apostle Paul's time or maybe born in David's time or maybe born in some other time but that devil is a liar. No matter how wonderful their stories are, you are born on time for such a time as this. I know it's challenging times. I know it's the last and end times. I know darkness is covering the land and gross darkness are covering the people. But it's in that same time of darkness that you are most needed because you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. You are born on purpose, on time, for such a time as this. You weren't just born or created by purpose and on purpose. You are created for purpose. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. There's a question that you are the answer for. There's a problem that you are the solution for. There is a gap that only you can fill. If you believe me what I'm saying this Sunday morning, come and shout, yeah! You were born and created by purpose, on purpose, and for purpose. Hallelujah. You are not a mistake. You are not a happenstance. You are not a coincidence. Even everything that is happening in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is still all working together for your good. Oh my. The famed Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that do what? Love God. And then he says what? Accord according to what? His purpose. That word again, purpose. It's because of purpose that God causes everything that's going on in your life to still work together for your good. In fact, God does it so perfectly that when you look back at that painful experience, all of a sudden you realize that you needed to go through that painful experience to be able to comfort others with the comfort that you yourself have received. Somebody shout, yeah! 
So we start to see the process of God's calling because you are called by purpose, on purpose, and for purpose. We see this delineated more clearly in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and verse 30, following on after verse 28. In verse 29, it says, For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So we see God's process of calling or God's process of purpose here. God starts uh, by foreknowing you, and then he predestines you, and then he calls you, and then he justifies you, and then he glorifies you. So we see five steps on this pathway of God and this process of God. Hallelujah. He foreknows you. He always starts with a foreknowledge, and then he predestines you. I don't have the time to go into the predestination debate this Sunday morning, but let let it suffice for me to tell you that God's predestination for every single human being is glory. He wants you to get to glory. He does not predestine anyone to evil, for his thoughts towards you are not of ill or evil, but to give you a future and to bring you to the expected end. So every predestination of God is to glory. But whether you get to glory or not is a different question, because then we get to the next step, which is the step of calling. You see, this middle step of calling, this middle step between the foreknowledge and the predestination, between the justification and the, and the, and the glorification, this step of calling is the critical step because this is the step where you get to decide whether you are going on with God's predestination to glory or whether you are taking a detour to go somewhere else. Does anybody hear me what I'm saying? We see the example of this same process in the life of prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the belly, I did what? I knew you. Knew you, which is what? Foreknowledge. And then it says, before you came forth out of the womb, I did what? I ordained you. That's the predestination. So God, first of all, foreknew Jeremiah that this was going to be the candidate for my prophetic assignment. And then he ordained him, he predestined him that you are going to be a prophet for me. But let me tell you something. Jeremiah still had to say yes to that call. We move from foreknowledge to predestination to calling. For Jeremiah said to the Lord, but I am but a child. I cannot speak. And God said, no, no, no. Don't say you are a child. You will speak for me. At which point in time, Jeremiah said yes to the call. And he fulfilled the rest of the journey through justification all the way to glory. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying this Sunday morning? What I'm trying to get you to see is that the, the middle step, the deciding step, the is the calling step and how you respond to that calling step, whether you say yes or no to the call, whether you accept or reject the call. Listen to Paul in Acts chapter 26 and verse 19. Paul says to King Agrippa, I was not disappointed, I was not disobedient to the heavenly call. 
In other words, even Paul had a call and he could have decided to be disobedient. But he says to this king, I was not disobedient. I said yes to the call. Is there anybody ready to say yes to the call of God under the sound of my voice this Sunday morning? Come and shout yes. He's calling you on to glory. I need to pick up the pace as get you to see. There's another phrase in the New Testament that often causes a little bit of consternation. In the book of Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16 and 22 and verse 14, Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. Have you ever heard that statement before? Many are called, but few are chosen. I don't have the time to go into the full stories behind uh, that comes to that conclusion. But let me drop some truth. Uh, let me drop it like I feel it this Sunday morning. Uh, that phrase is loaded because that phrase seems to put uh, the onus uh, for, for, for what happens upon the person that does the choosing. Uh, that God is the one that chooses. So if you are not chosen, you are not chosen and there's nothing you can do about it. But let me slightly defer this Sunday morning and tell you that all are called and the chosen are the ones that said yes to the call. Every single one is called and the chosen are those that said yes to the call. How do I know this? God calls all men. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, and God desires that some men. No, he says that God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ of the truth. Uh, so God calls all men. The chosen are those that say yes to the call. So you are not, you cannot say it was not, a, I had no say in the matter. No, 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 you had a say. You could have said yes or you could have said no. So what I really came to convince you of this morning is that there is a call on your life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how tall you are, how short you are, how fat or slim you are. I don't care what complexion you are. I don't care what you've been through, what you're going through, what you are going to go through. There is still a call on your life because our God is a calling God. He likes to call things. He is the God that calls those things that be not as though they were and they come into being. Our God is a speaking God. Our God is a calling God and he issues a call out to all mankind and he's looking to see who's going to say yes to my call. Do I have any yes sayers under the sound of my voice? Come and shout yes this Sunday morning. Uh, let me give you a few uh, descriptions of the call of God, the nature of the call of God. Philippians and chapter uh, 3, verse 13 and 14 starts to give us a little bit about the nature of the call. It says, forgetting those things that are behind, I press forwards. So the call is a forwards call, call uh, towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So the, God, the call is a upwards call. God is calling you forward. <laughs> 
God is calling you upwards. Hallelujah. He's not calling you down, and even when he seems like he's calling you down, he's only setting you up to take you up. Somebody say yes. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass. New things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. 43 and verse 18 and 19 of Isaiah. Behold, the former things have come to pass. New things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So another nature of the call of God, he's always calling you to new things. Whatever you've experienced before, it's old. God is about to do something new in your life. There's a divine shift coming in your life. The old is giving way to the new. If you believe it, come and shout yes. Ah, yes. So it's an upwards call. It's a forwards call. It's a call to new things. It's also a call unto glory. For whom he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, and he does what? He glorifies. So God is calling you unto glory. But there's another characteristic and nature of the call of God that I find particularly interesting. In the book of Romans chapter 11 and verse 26, it says, for the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And that means that the call of God is unrepentant. It's an unrelenting call. God calls you in the morning. He calls you in the afternoon. He calls you in the evening. He calls you in the midnight hour. God does not stop calling. It is without repentance. He's calling you right now. I know you've been trying to walk away from the call, but God is persistent. He keeps on calling, waiting for you to say yes. You took the detour and went down some other road, but he keeps on calling. When are you going to come back? Is there anybody ready to say yes to the call of God this Sunday morning? Hallelujah. What is the purpose of the call? God calls you on purpose, for purpose, to fulfill purpose. Hallelujah. But there is more. There is more. There's more to why God is calling you. I'll tell you that the call upon your life is not all about you. The call upon your life is actually about others uh, that need your testimony, that need your witness. You thought the call was just to make you feel good, dandy, and all that. But no, no, no. He actually was calling you because of others. He calls Joseph to deliver Israel. He calls Samuel so that Samuel will be able to anoint David. He's called you for the next generation. He's called you for other people. It's not all about you. Hallelujah. Uh, and as I start to round up, we start seeing the journey of the called. The journey of the called is a very interesting journey because it's not exactly the way we assume that it's going to be the journey of the called. So in our text, David is anointed by Samuel to be the next king. And the very next day, David became king. No. He did not become king the very next day. Because listen, the anointment day is different from the appointment day. This is the frustration of the calling and the called. You are called on a particular day, but it's not on that same day that you fulfill the call. David went back to the wilderness to take care of sheep after being anointed, after being marked and set apart. There's something on you, man. 
Remember that Samuel said that uh, surely the Lord's anointed. So the, the, the anointing of David was a confirmation that this guy already had an anointing from God. This is important for us to understand. That when we ordain, consecrate, or anoint anybody in the house, we do our due diligence to seek God's face and to make sure that such a person or persons truly have already have a calling and an anointing in their lives. Because if it's not there, no amount of pouring oil on somebody's head is going to make it there. Hallelujah. But listen to David. David is anointed, but nothing happens. Next day, he goes back to the sheep in the wilderness, unseen, taking care of sheep. And he's wondering, what was the purpose of this, all, all this anointing and all this calling when nothing is happening in my life? Then a, a, another day comes, and there's trouble on the battlefield. Goliath is making noise. David comes around to give his brothers food to eat. Uh, and then he sees Goliath and says, I can take this guy down. You know the rest of the story. Story. He, he takes him down. And maybe, maybe David thought, now my day of appointment has arrived. <laughs> I've killed Goliath. But guess what? It wasn't appointment day either. Because I want to get you to see that the journey of the called is not a linear upward call. Uh, the journey of the called can be upsy-turvy, it can be up and down, topsy-turny, it can be right-left, it can seem to go down and then come up. That's the journey of the called, and this is, was David's journey. Then we read story about after story of David winning battles for Saul, and yet, it's still not appointment today. He's called, he's anointed, but yet he's not yet appointed. You see, you don't qualify to be appointed a king till a king wants to kill you. So Saul now starts to seek to kill David, to knock him out. <laughs> the proving of the call, the proving of the anointing, the proving of the grace of God. You don't qualify for the appointment of king till you have an opportunity to kill the king that has been trying to kill you and you reframe from it. The journey of the cold. Then finally, David is made king of Judah. But that wasn't the call. The call was to be king of Israel, not just Judah. Then finally, when Saul dies, he's called up to Jerusalem and he's made king of all of Israel. Woo! Hallelujah. I want to announce to somebody that your day of appointment is coming. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you, you've been enduring many days of anointment, many days of, of knowing that there's a call of God upon your life. But you've been wondering, when will it manifest? I want to let you know that your day of presentation is coming, and it's around the corner. If you believe it, uh, come on, say amen. amen. You see, at the day of appointment and presentation, it's no longer just about the endorsement of heaven, which is critical and comes first. It also now requires the agreement and the acknowledgement of the people. As far as God was concerned, David was king right from the day that he was anointed and called. 
But there was a process that he had to go through that finally resulted in the, first of all, the people of Judah recognizing that call and making him their king. And then the people of Israel recognizing the call and making him the king. We see this also in the life of Joshua. When you read Joshua chapter 1, you see God, of, first of all, talking to Joshua and saying, be strong and of a good courage three times, the call of God. But then at the end of that same first chapter, you now hear the people say to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Because now they are submitting and recognizing the call of God upon their life. You see, you get to a place where it's not just about God's endorsement, which is critical, which is first, and which you must always make sure is in place. You get to a place where the people also affirm it. Hallelujah. Whom he calls, he justifies. Whom he calls, he justifies. What does it mean to justify? To justify is to show or to prove to be right or reasonable, to declare or make righteous in the sight of God, to adjust so that everything is aligned. Synonyms for justify include give grounds for, give reasons for, prove to be reasonable, provide a rationale for, confirm, defend, vindicate, substantiate, uphold, back up, sustain, establish, legitimize, validate. Now the scripture says God justifies those that say yes to his call. Hallelujah. Can I preach to you this Sunday morning? God backs them up. God approves them. God calls them righteous. God confirms them. God defends he, those that he has called. God vindicates them. God upholds them. God sustains them. God establishes them. God legitimizes them. God validates them. Woo, hallelujah. Ah, you are validated to do what you are called to do. Hallelujah. God affirms and confers upon them everything they need to fulfill the call. And that's what he's doing in this ordination service today. He's confirming and anointing the ordinees. It's also called a consecration. And consecration is a setting apart, which is a separating. A separating from something and a separating onto something, onto an assignment, onto the work of the ministry. There's an anointing. You see, because God will not give a vision and not give provision. God will not give, give, call you and not give you the wherewithal to be able to fulfill the call. Hallelujah. And as much as this is so much for the ordinees this Sunday morning, it's actually also for every single one of us because there is no one of us that is without a call of God. And therefore that means that there is an anointing for even you this Sunday morning. Once you respond to the call of God in the affirmative, God makes sure that heaven backs you up. He makes sure that heaven will supply for your need because you are his property. Uh, no man goes to war on his own pocket. If he goes to war, he that sent him to war supplies for him. And our God is able to supply for all of your needs according to his riches in glory. You've got to have a heart posture ready to receive a fresh anointing upon your life for the new day, this second half of the year that you have stepped into. Father, we give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor. There is absolutely no God like unto you. Hallelujah to your name, Jesus. 
Hallelujah to your name, Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Is there anybody ready to say yes to the call of God this Sunday morning? Before we go straight into the um, ordinations and consecrations, I need to give the opportunity of the moment to anyone out there on Facebook, on YouTube, or even in the hall here this morning that has not yet said yes to the call of God to salvation, that has not yet submitted their life to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your opportunity. Hallelujah. He's been calling you. You know he's been calling you. You've had, heard the call several times, and you've avoided it, avoided it. This is your day. This is your opportunity. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you are out there today and you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, you have not said yes to the call of God, this is your time. Please go ahead right now. If you're ready, even if you're not ready, but you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart that I've got to do this. Repeat these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for dying for me. Today, I repent of my sin. I respond yes to your call. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord of me. So by faith, right now, I'm born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, hallelujah and you believe it in your heart, you are indeed saved, you are indeed set free. Hallelujah. This is your day. Amen. We wanted to help you to grow from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. Hallelujah. So please direct message us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email or follow the pathway on our website and let's help you to grow in the Lord. It's important that you are planted in the house of, of the Lord for you to be able to flourish in the courts. We trust that you will do that this Sunday morning. Amen and amen. Somebody go ahead and give God the praise right now. Just, just bless the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray over everybody. I decree and declare in the name of Jesus, God is going to back you up. In your situations, in your circumstances, is going to vindicate, validate, and show up and show off in your life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.